0: Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick. A podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of The Working Therapist. I'm Hayden Bolick, your host, and today it is just me. Normally I have a guest and we chat about stuff. Go back and look at all the podcasts that we have. We talk about a lot of different things, huge variety. But today, I'm going to talk about how to develop words and language skills and language concepts with cause and effect toys. So a lot of times, as a speech therapist, we're thinking cause and effect is a toy that you hit and lights up or it vibrates or a lot of those just simple battery-operated toys that a lot of times the babies use. But basically, when I'm talking about cause-and-effect toys, I'm talking about more than just those light-up toys. Those light-up toys are nice, and we use them for babies who are younger or maybe kids who cognitively are really at a younger age. But a cause-and-effect toy, I would also challenge you all to think, can be a toy where you pull it back and it goes. So you do something to it, and then it has a different reaction, like a pull-back-and-go car. You pull it back and it goes. That's a cause-and-effect. Like, I caused something to happen, and then it did something the effect or like a train where you build the track and then you push the button and the train's battery operated so it goes around the track or a car that does the same thing you build a track and it goes around or some of my other favorite cause and effect toys are made by fisher price it's like a racetrack and you put the two little cars at the top of the racetrack hit a handle and they both go down this like spirally track and if you keep the batteries in that toy it'll make you crazy so i take the batteries out but basically when the child hits the lever the cars go down the track so it starts at the top and then child hits something and boom, something else happens. And normally I'm targeting this type of toy with a child who is working on combinational play, just combining two objects in play. You do something and you get something, you do something, you get something. So I'd like to start today and talk in that general concept. You do something, you get something, you do something, you get something. So let me paint a picture for you. You're going to evaluate a child. This is very common in the world of a speech therapist. You're getting ready to evaluate a child, and the child comes in, and they really aren't using any words. They're about two-ish. They have no words. No words. To request, to ask for things, I'm trying to figure out how. So I'll usually ask the parents, hey... When they want something at home, how do they tell you they want something? And I'll get a lot of times the same answers. Well, they pull me over to it so that I'll go get it. Or they just tantrum. They just fall out on the floor, screaming and crying. Basically, that child goes from a zero, I'm very happy, to I want something, and they start tantruming. That's a pretty smart kid. Because let me tell you something. If I start a tantrum in my house, people give me something. Like, usually, if you're tantruming, people are going like, to hop to, like, quick, quick, help, like, get that child so he's not tantruming anymore. So it's pretty effective. It's just not a very socially appropriate way to ask for things. So that's something we work on. Or the parents will often say, oh, well they just reach and go, ah, ah, ah. So they're basically using a gesture with a vocalization. request for things. So when you have a child like that, oftentimes their attention span is very, very, very short. They're not really playing with toys for any length of time. They don't really understand if I do this to the toy, then this happens. They sort of flip-flop between activities very quickly. They don't explore toys and they're tantrum a lot, or they don't really have a way to consistently request and ask for things. That involves a word or formal gesture, or I mean, they could be reaching for things, but nothing besides just the basic reaching gesture. So this is the type of child I'm talking about today. We see them a lot. They may have a diagnosis. They may not have a diagnosis. Not every child who's not using words at age two, two and a half, or three will end up with a diagnosis for whatever reason. They're just not using words. So the first thing that oftentimes is the most important thing to work on with a child like that is, I mean, pronouns would be nice. Verbs would be nice. Prepositions would be nice. Body parts are nice. However, if you can't request, I mean you can't ask for something or tell somebody what you want, then all that other stuff is kind of secondary. So on the PLS or whatever language test you're giving them, yeah, those are all things they're not gonna be able to do. Identify objects, identify pictures, sure, or name them, right? Maybe they are identifying objects and pictures, but they're not naming them because they're not using words. But those are all things they need to work on for sure but the most important thing that child needs to do is they need to note how to request for something basic communication initiation this is age you know 12 to 18 months in the normal typical development language progression for a child they need to request using a single word or using some type of formal way to request so that's the most important thing and their attention span has got to be a little bit better because they need to be able to stay with an activity long enough to figure out hey it does something and words have power so as soon as they figure Figure out hey if I say juice I'm gonna get juice that's pretty motivating so there's lots of ways you can do that but normally at first my whole entire therapy session the whole 30 minutes is going to be structured around getting that child to understand how to do something to get something do something to get something do something to get something and that's the whole carryover for the family and I'm going to also work on increasing that attention span because a lot of times these little people come in their attention span is about 30 seconds to a minute so I'm going to need a variety of activities that I have quick boom 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 Access to, and I can pull out quickly, so we can hop between activities fast, so that I can slowly start to build and expand upon that attention span. Because at first they may only pay attention for one minute, and so novelty and newness and freshness is my friend because I need to keep them interested to stay with me. So if I pull out the Fisher Price bus or the Fisher Price farm, nothing wrong with either one of those toys. Big fan, but not for this age of child or this development part where this child is. I'm going to lose them because they don't have functional play. They certainly don't have pretend play. They're really at a combinational play. How do I combine these two objects together? What's it going to do? And how do I do something to get something? So that's why I pull out my cause and effect toys. And that's what we're going to talk about. So the first thing is you got to sort of set them up and you have to get them a framework. When I say set them up, so you got to teach a framework. So the child has to understand, start, do, finish. Start, I'm going to start an activity, I'm going to do it, and then I'm going to finish it. So every toy that you pull out needs to have its own individual box. You can't have everything pulled up in a bag. They can All your boxes can be in a bag, but each toy has to have its own individual box. So a lot of times, therapists will start with bubbles. And so the bubbles are fine. That doesn't have to be in a box, but it has to be in a closed container. You know, there's the individual bubbles that have the screw on top. That's all I'm talking about. So you get the bubbles in a closed container, and you have to set up a framework, meaning I'm going to teach you how to request so you get the bubbles they're interested and you open the container and you go one two three and you blow oh yeah who doesn't love a bubble so yay it's a bubble and then you do it again one two three and then you blow the bubble and one two three you blow the bubble again and the next time it's one two three and right before you go to blow that bubble you pause and normally the child is sitting there watching you like go and so then you wait like maybe a second or two and then you blow the bubble and then you do it again, one, two, three, pause. And this time you can pause a little bit longer because they're able to stay with you just a little bit, but you don't want to lose them because the minute you lose their attention, they're gone and they're done and the bubbles are over with And you got to start it back over again at one, two, three, blow. So you want one, two, three, and you pause for just a few seconds longer to see if you can get them to do something and to request. And so one, two, three, and then you blow again. And even if you get a or a, anything at all that that child does, they requested. So, in this whole cause and effect toy thing, you have to remember to also be very sensitive, sensitive to any type of communication. Because if the child up to this point has just been going, uh, 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 for what they want, or going to get a family member to get what they want, or just flat out tantruming for what they want you're trying to get rid of all of that and replace it with something else. So if they do anything audible or anything that's maybe a further gesture besides one I've already named, that counts. So you want to be real sensitive that you're recognizing it. And then you consistently want to, boom, blow the bubble. Sensitivity and consistency. So you go one, two, three, pause for a little bit longer, and then at that time, I'll also use my hands to help pucker their face to get them to try to blow the bubble because even if they just pucker their lips, that's something more than what they did before. And that's a cause and effect toy. Bubbles are the best cause and effect toy. And you give them to blow. So you know what? You're probably what you're going to get maybe 10 times doing that if you're lucky. You know, you're living right at that point to get 10 whole times. So then, you know, eventually you have to close the bubbles up. So when they start running away, they're not finished. They started and they're doing it, but they got to finish it. So if they run away, you have to go get them, corral them back over to where you are. And then you tell them, tell the bubbles, bye-bye. Are you all done, bubbles? You're done, bubbles. So you got to close those bubbles up and you got to tell them bye-bye. Finished. And then they go in a different pile and they're done. they finished. Those bubbles are done. And we don't get stuff back out of the finished pile. I never get into a battle of wills with a child because that's not what therapy is about, it's a battle of wills, but it's just done and finished. Because a lot of times, some of these kids will want to do something for a little bit, and they'll go to a next toy, and they'll just sort of rotate around. So we got to understand, we start, do, finish. Because when we're done with the toy, we got to tell it bye-bye. Then next time, they're going to understand, oh, I want to stick with this a little bit longer to play with a little bit more. All right, so then you've done your bubbles. All right, another good toy is, and there's all kinds of toys on the market that fit into this next category. But remember, the most important thing is you want to get as many times for that child to do something to get something, to request, 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 to do something to get something in a session. So you want a lot of bang for your buck because here's our job. We're the therapist. We're driving the train. We're developing the plan. We assess the child. We're like, oh my goodness, they can't communicate. That's the main problem. How can I make the biggest difference in this child's life? I need to be able to get them so that they are not tantruming everywhere for this mom because she's freaking out and she's exhausted, bless her heart, or dad's heart, his heart, whoever it is, grandmama, aunt, uncle, brother, sister, whatever. So you got to help them do something to get something. So yeah, no, they still don't know pronouns, but that's not yet. We're right now, do something to get something. And so I need to get as many opportunities in a session as that is possible and help teach that child that because then I'm going to want to have the family carry over this to the home. So I got to go ahead and set the precedence and set the whole concept and stage so that this child knows how to do this. And the stage is set so that they can do this when they go home. And the parents know how to do it as well. So the parents are watching this whole session. By the way, in case I forgot to say that, they're watching. And I'm explaining what I'm doing. I'm doing something to get something. Do something to get something. So you close up the bubbles. it's done. You've told it bye-bye. They don't care. They're not interested in anyway. Moving on. So then I go to a different toy. And this car thing really seems to work the best. The cars just have some action, you know, and it's just fun. So the next thing I'll do is I'll usually Take like the Fisher Price cars I talked about before, and the two cars go at the top of the track, and then you push the handle and they go down the track, and it's really fast and simple. So we take the cars, and then I hand over hand, help them put the cars up in the track, and hand over hand, we push the handle, and then the cars come down the track, and I grab the cars up. Then I'll ask to the child, "Should we do more?" So then I'll use the hand over hand for more, and then we'll put the cars back up. The child has the handle, the cars go down again. So then I do that a couple times, make sure they understand how to do it, and then I have the child start taking the car and. Putting it up at the top, and if they start putting it in the middle of the track or they start throwing it, then we have to go pick up the car and we put it back at the top of the track, and they can have the car and it wind down the track. And then I grab them back up again. But each time I have them request for more, or I also have them sometimes request for me. I pick which one I'm going to do more or me. It just depends on the child. Sometimes me, they're a little bit more successful with because I take their hand, and I pat it on their chest, and say me, and then I give them a car and they put it up there because it's just more physical and it's less abstract. The for more is more abstract, you know, when you touch your chest and say me, which is not even really the sign for me, I think it's just me touching their chest for me, and I hand over him, help them, you know, pat their chest and say me. It's just less abstract, it's more concrete because it's me and they're talking about themselves. And then I give them the car, they put it at the top of the track, and they do that a couple times. And then when they get bored, meaning they start to kind of run away, look away again, that toy's done, start, do, finish, and put that toy up, and you do something else. So, then another toy that's good for this cause and effect is anything where you have to build a track. This is kind of step two. The bubbles and the car where the cars go down the track are really sort of phase one. Another good toy in that category is sort of phase one is the Melissa Doug stacking blocks. The cardboard ones, I'll have them stack it up and then we'll knock it down with their foot and we'll only stack up about three, four, five depending on their attention span and we'll knock it down with their foot and we up, 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 up and then we crash it down and up, 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 up and crash it down. Because, hey, it's fun to crash stuff down. And so it's got to be fun, and it holds their attention span. And again, it's a good cause and effect. So another good toy in that basic category, in the basic categories where you're getting to work on their attention span, getting them to attend longer, and just to understand you do something to get something. You do something to get something. So another good toy in that category is always a wind-up toy because you wind up the toy. It works exactly the same as Bubbles. One, two, three, and the, the toy goes, and then it stops and then one, two, three, go, and then you get them try to request for more every time it stops or hand you the toy back. That's also a request. So remember that sensitivity and consistency. You've got to be sensitive to every communicative attempt, and you want to build on it. So if you're building on a sound, even if they're going, bah, you know, ah, anything like that, and then you build on that from there, but start where they are anything that they're doing where they're trying to do a sign, they're hand over hand for a sign or they're touching their chest for me, even with you doing the hand over hand to get them to touch the chest. Then eventually you pull your hand back and they say me and they try to touch their own chest and it really works. But you want to always set up the framework. So one, two, three, go. And the toy goes. One, two, three, go. It goes. And then you want to put that little pause. You've got to put that pause and give them an opportunity to request. So with the Melissa and Doug blocks, the wind up toys, the Fisher Price track, the bubbles for a swing, Swing. Swing's a great toy for this. And in a therapy gym, you know, speech people often don't go into therapy gyms, but just great swing because you get them to swing on the swing. Make sure they're safe because you put a mat underneath or on the playground. And then right in the middle of the swing, you kind of stop them in mid swing. So not when they're at the bottom, but when they're at either top. So you pull them towards you and they kind of pause. It's anticipatory. They're waiting. They're like, oh, I'm supposed to swing. And you hold them like, you want more? And usually they'll do something with their body. They request to swing more, and then you swing some more. And you, one, two, three, four, five, stop. One, two, and you go again. But you want to be very, very consistent. Your words, your actions, the way you set it up should always be the same so they can anticipate and they can expect so they understand what their response needs to be. Because if you keep changing it up on them, they don't know what to do because you're building language. You're teaching them how to do something to get something. And you also want to watch how many words you use, which I know you're thinking, good Lordy Hayden, as much as you talk, how in the world? But in a therapy session, I don't talk too much. I say what needs to be said, and that's really it. Too many words can just be an auditory bombardment for some kids. It starts to turn into like Charlie Brown talk, like wah, 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 wah. So, you know, sometimes I'm just like one, two, three, go. More me. More me up. I use a lot of that and my intonation to help me as well. So those are all things that you can use to help with like stage one, understanding, do something to get something and setting up the framework and being very sensitive and consistent, sensitive to their responses and consistent in what you're doing to elicit those responses. And then the next thing is they're going to learn. Oh, I got to do something to get something. I understand the start, do, finish concept. Their attention span gets better. So they're able to actually attend to a toy for a little bit of time. They're starting to request. They're starting to use a word. They're starting to use a sign. You know, they're starting to use a gesture. You start with gestures and then hopefully words and word approximations and then words come out of that. So, once they can attend for at least a few minutes, then I'll start to pull out some toys like the Tomy. T O M Y has got a great train and the tracks all connect. And then it's a pull back and go train. So, you pull the train back and it goes around the track about, I don't know, four or five times max. So, that's great because you can request each time to get the track and to build it. And sometimes their attention span kind of starts to wane as you're starting to build the track. So, you just quick put the rest of it together again, like, oh, look, here's a train. Woo! So, you know, fast. Sometimes you have to speed it up because if you find Find yourself in a battle of wills of like oh we're gonna build this train track stop It is not a battle of wills. This is not you versus them. You're helping this child. And if you're fighting to get the train track built, like just abort. Stop and think, what am I doing with my life? Because it's not about that. It's about getting this child to talk. So they're building up the train tracks and then you pull it back and you get them to request to go. So I use that toy a lot when the kids are getting to use single words because that's kind of where you are. You went from not using anything to tantruming to now they can use a single word to request. So they're building that train track and building the train track helps to also build their attention span because they got to stick around to build it to the end to get the train because that's what they want you show them the train at first and then they build the track That's a great toy to do that with. The Choo Choo Loop is also made by International Playthings, and that's a great toy. Same concept. Also, Kadoozy makes great motorized vehicles, like these cars with batteries, and the cars are sold separate from the track. No, actually, I think you can buy a whole big set of track with one car, but then you can also buy other cars. And they're motorized cars, and so you build the track, and this track is awesome because it's real flexible, and it builds really easy and tears apart really easy. And so you can make a whole track with this, and then you have the cars, and you can turn the car on and it goes around the track, and then you can control it. Stop, go, stop, go. Just like the Tomy train, just like the Choo Choo Loop by International Playthings, and then this caduzzi also sold by International Playthings. Another good cause and effect toy is, again, the Melissa and Doug Blocks, but you can build them up higher, and then you can knock them down with a beanbag. bag. You're doing the exact same thing with every one of these toys. Also, some other great toys, California Creations is the company that I use for wind-up toys, but they have some great pull-back-and-go cars, like little tiny cars, so you can pull them back, and then they go, But it requires a little bit more of attention span, so it's kind of step two to the wind-up toys. And then also push-and-go cars. Tomy's got some great ones. You push the top and the car goes. Or Schilling also makes some of those great toys where you push the top of the car. It's got like a little button. You push it, and then it zooms across the table. And there's other big pull-back-and-go cars. You can find a bunch of them like at the drugstore. You know, I was at the drugstore the other day, and they had a whole kiosk full of these pull-back-and-go cars that I'm sure you've seen. They're just them back and go, and they're like $3.99 each. Anyway, all of these are good toys, so you can start to help build the attention span. You work with single words. You can also use a picture, so a lot of times the kids are imitating. You pull the train back, and you say, one, two, three, go, with a model, and you get them to try to imitate the word And then from that word imitation, you want to move to getting them to independently say it. So a lot of times I'll have them use a picture card. So I'll use a car of go or train. And so instead of me giving the model, I give them the picture and then they have to say it. But as I'm doing it, I'm pointing to go train and I usually use hand over hand to help them point go train. This is still as long as they're interested in the train, by the way. I'm not going to force them to play with the train. If they don't want to do that, it's gone. And then we get something else out in the same category of cause and effect because I'm trying to get them to build sentences and build single words. And I want as many opportunities for them to request for a single word and use a single word and build a phrase as possible in a sentence session. It's all about the number I can get. Because again, remember, I'm driving this train. I'm not stuck on the train analogy, but okay, I'm driving this therapy session. I wrote the plan of care. So my job is to get as much practice and as much function and establish a plan, establish the way it's going to go as possible. Then I give this to the family to carry over to home or to the teacher to carry over to the classroom. So we're back here at Go Train. So we'll build a sentence. We initially start with single word. So I try to build it up. If I can build it up in one session, I'll start there. So I have my pictures ready in advance and I'll pull them out. So I try to phase back my verbal model and give them a picture cue model for them to use the words go train, you know, or more block or up block or go car. It's usually the go or the more stays the same. And then we change the second word. It can be whatever. It doesn't matter. But anything in this whole category for cause and effect. And so we do that. So eventually they get to the point where they're using, you know, multi-word phrases, like a three-word phrase even, and you still can stay with the same exact types of toys because then at that point, if they're using multi-word phrases, now you're ready for some verbs. You're ready for some verb identification and verb use. You're ready to start building your vocabulary for nouns, using some directional concepts and prepositions, start to do some descriptive concepts, you know, part and whole understanding, multi-step directions. Now, You're hitting all those language concepts because now they can use a phrase in a sentence so they can say what they want. And they can also tell you what they don't want because that's really important because you don't want them to hit their friends. You want them to say, don't take my puzzle or no puzzle or no friend or no or something. But they have to be able to request and protest with a word versus tantruming or hitting or whatever. So now you got them there. So now they can use and they can say, go, more, mine, that kind of thing. So now you start to build your phrases and you start to build your vocabulary of words. So a lot of times as we're making the train go around, Usually we're starting with nouns, getting to try to increase the vocabulary of nouns. And so as the train's going around the track, I'll take a picture or an object. i start with objects, actually. And I'll take, you know, everybody's got farm animals. Usually every classroom has objects, like little figures of whatever. So a lot of times I'm starting with farm animals. And so I'll take a horse. And as the train's going around the track, I'll put the horse around the track. And I'm like, oh, no. You know, Uh-oh. If I'm worried about auditory bombardment in too many words, then I'll just say, "Uh uh-oh, and I'll say, move, horse, or no, horse, or maybe I'm just working on, "Uh uh-oh, and then go again. So I could start with, uh uh-oh, meaning like something happened here. Let's pay attention. Uh Uh-oh, something happened. Now I got to do something. So it gives you an opportunity in a real life situation for the child because they're interested in this toy. Remember, if they're not interested, move on to something else, but they're interested in this situation. So for them to problem solve and figure out, oh my goodness, the train's not going because this horse is in the way. So now what? So we got to, uh-oh, and then I'll take the child's hand and get them to push the horse out of the way. And then we'll put a sheep next time because you don't want to use the horse. That's boring. It's the same thing. It just happened. So then we'll use a sheep and we can do some sheep noise like "baa" or whatever. And I'm not going to do my animal sounds for you because y'all are probably better at that out there. But anyway, so then you do a sheep the next time they hit the sheep and then you do a pig and a cow or whatever you've got. So you can build from the uh-oh and the natural thing to move cow, move sheep. So remember that carrier phrase, move. So you start to build your nouns with all the animal or object sounds. And then I'll start to add different objects you can do. And then I'll move to a variety of pictures. And then, you can also start to introduce verbs so it can be jump horse meaning like jump horse out of the way or you know run pig you get the pig to run out of the way hop jump run I don't usually use sleep because you can't sleep the pig out of the way that doesn't make any sense but anyway I'll use action words to get them to move the stuff out of the way because you can't build a sentence if you don't have a verb so that's when I'll start to build on these verbs and verb uses then so now just to recap We went from no attention span, and they can't use words to request at all, to... Now they can use full sentences, and we're starting to build on the noun vocabulary and the verb vocabulary, and then we can start to do prepositions, because they can start to be the ones that decide what's going to get in the way. You know, you want the red cow or the blue cow, or do you want the red shoe or the green shoe, or do you want the big ball or the little ball, you know, whatever. So they can start to get in some descriptive concepts and prepositions. So on the track, you can put something under the track, and the train's got to jump over whatever's under the track, because these tracks can... Next, so you can put something right at the seam of the track. So, under, on, beside, all your preposition concepts you can target with this. It's also a great social, pragmatic activity. I use this type of thing for all kids and social groups because my turn, your turn. One friend can be the one who puts the obstacle in the way, and another friend can be the one that moves it. And then you have to take turns because when the train stops, if it's Joey's turn, then Sam over there has to ask for the train. So can I have the train? Because you're using a question, directing it at somebody else versus just snatching the toy. Also socially appropriate. What's the appropriate thing to do? So these cause and effect toys can take you like for a long way. So I have like a whole cabinet of various cause and effect toys. And the Melissa and Doug blocks are the same way. The stackable blocks. So you start initially with them just stacking up the blocks and then knocking it over. Do something, get something. You stack them up, boom, you get the crap that's very cool when you stack them back up they get the crash but then what happens is you can start to hide things in the blocks and as you're stacking the blocks up you can take your farm animals and go bye bye horse and you cover the horse up and bye bye cow and you cover the cow up so you're able to start building and you can build phrases in this it doesn't matter what the carrier phrase is you just want to keep building that vocabulary and you want to give them something that's the same each time as you're building that phrase versus them coming up with something new every time because you want to give them independently using the words and being Independently successful. So, bye bye horse, bye bye cow, bye bye sheep. The word that changes as the farm animal, the things that say the same as bye bye. So, at least 50% of the time, they'll get half the phrase. Pretty good. And then you work on getting them to name the farm animals. So the Melissa and Doug blocks, you can hide the animals under. And then you can say, okay, are we going to knock it over with our foot? Or are we going to knock it over with our hand? Or you can just stack the blocks up and you don't have to hide anything underneath it. And you can say, okay, is the horse going to knock them over? Or is the bug going to knock it over? And then is the horse going to run and knock it over? Or is the horse going to jump and knock it over? So the verb and the noun. And that's how you start to build all these concepts with just a different type of toy. So to recap, here's what we know. First, we're starting with a child who doesn't have much of an attention span and also who isn't able to request in a way that's functional. Though tantruming, like I said, it's very effective. People pop too, but you may not get what you want and it's not really socially appropriate behavior. So you're starting with a child who's not attending and a child who can't functionally and appropriately request or tell you what they want. They either have no words, they're tantruming, or they're just using some gestures and some vocalizations. And ultimately, that really ends up in a lot of tantruming because they aren't able to really tell you what they want. So they can not effectively communicate. And so stage one is working on that attention span getting them to attend for longer than just a few seconds, being able to stay with the toy long enough to start, do, finish, though it's very therapist-directed. It's child-directed, if they're excited and interested in the toy. But then the framework is sort of built By the therapist there to help them understand start, do, finish. Because when they're done with the toy, if they're not interested at all, that's fine. You clean it back up in the box. Say you get out a toy and you start to get it out and you're losing them as you're getting out of the box and you know and they're starting a tantrum as you're getting them out of the box. You can say, okay, let's tell it bye bye. And then hand over hand, you can help them put it back in the box and okay, bye bye toy, bye bye toy. So they know, hey, I can tell this thing bye. I'm not locked into whatever she pulls out of that bag over there or pulls off the shelf over there. Because again, if you're in a battle of wills with a child, that's not what we do. We help them progress in various language, speech ways. We are not fighting over the fact that we're going to play with the train or not. I mean, who cares? I don't know how to play with the train. If they don't like it, move it on, you know? Fine, let's pull out the ball. So anyway, you're telling it by so they know there's a way to get out of this. So you're building their attention span with start, do, finish, and you're helping them understand, oh, okay, to start something, we have to get it out. We have to request it, and we have to do something with it, and then we can also finish it. Start, do, finish, all those are opportunities to request and to initiate so that's stage one and stage one some toys in there are wind up toys my all-time favorite bubbles the melissa and doug cardboard blocks that you stack the fisher price car loop where you put the car at the top and it goes down the loop and it comes out the bottom i didn't talk about this earlier but ball runs this toy is kind of like a rectangle and you put the balls at the top and you hit them down with a hammer and they go down this little maze and come out the bottom that's awesome Kids love that toy, by the way. But those are all good toys in stage one. Because basically, a child at stage one, when you're just trying to get them to increase their attention span and understand to say something to get something, then they're probably going to switch toys a lot in the session. And they're at a combinational stage of play. So they're learning how to combine toys and play and understand how toys work together in play. And that's going to set them up for future exploration of toys and interaction with toys and people to be successful later. So that's where you are stage one. And you want to do as many times in a session as to do something to get something, do something to get something, do something to get something. And it's really important because you're creating the framework and teaching that child how to request and this stage stage one it's really important for you to be as sensitive as possible to their communicative attempts and then consistent in your framework and the words and how you set it up so with bubbles i do it the same way every time remember one two three and i blow one two three blow one two three and pause to give them an opportunity to, to request some of the things I tell the parents at home at the stage is every child at the stage is in a car seat. Most of them are in a car seat, and those like use a lot of those five-point harness car seats. You know where they connect to the chest, and then the chest snaps connect to the snaps between their legs. So a lot of times I'll say right before they go to get them out of that car seat, because normally the kids are like squirming around and they're ready to come out. But right before you hit that button, because the kid knows what you're going to do, you hit the button, let them out. You go, uh, what you want out? right before you hit the button to let them loose you pause you know, you want out out tell me out and if the child does anything like that's a request and you hit the button oh yeah you said out and you have like a party even though they didn't really say it but that's completely secondary because they will say it later so also like before they get ready to get out of the bathtub you just you want out. Right before you get ready to hand them juice you say juice juice you want juice and get the child to do something to get something those are a lot of things i tell the parents to do at home with the child to build opportunities to request because the parent has seen you doing all this with the child so stage one you want to get them to do something to get something and you want their attention span to get a little bit longer once they can stay with the toy for a few minutes and they are understanding hey i've got to at least do a sign or a word approximation, or maybe a word even to do something, then you're kind of moving to stage two. You can start to build, like we talked about, a train track, lots of toys out there with train tracks, lots of little motorized cars that go on the train track, pull back and go cars, push and go cars. Again, the Melissa and Doug stacking blocks, but I just stack them up higher initially I just only do a couple and at this point I stack maybe all 10. Those are all good toys in stage two. You can do puzzles if the child's really into it like a peg puzzle and also those poppers. We've talked about those in other podcasts before. I think they were my top 10 toy of the year. Those poppers by Hogwild. The ball is in the animal's mouth. It probably sounds crazy because we're not really talking about it and you squeeze the stomach and the ball shoots out. But anyway poppers are good. All of those things are good toys in the stage two. And so then at that point that's where you can start to build like sentences and you get them to try to use a first thing words consistently to go and then that's where I start to phase out my Auditory model, and I start to use pictures to help build a phrase. So I'll have like go train or go ball or up block or whatever, it doesn't matter. But one word consistent, and then I change the other words. Again, all through the therapy session, I want them to do something to get something. I want them to build independent use of single words and then into phrases. And so then that's where we talked about in stage two you start with a single word, you build it so they can independently do a single word, then you start to build phrases. And sometimes I use pictures with those after they can do the phrases. That That's where you get into the language concepts of the nouns, building verbs, prepositions, pronouns, descriptives, parts of a whole. All of that stuff is where you start there. And then you can hit all that stuff. And it's still fun because it's still playing with toys. It's still functional. It's still appropriate. The child is still child-driven because they're deciding if they like the toy or not. You're still using start, do, finish. So they know if they don't like it, they can put it up, get something else out. So... As we're wrapping this up, the last important point to make is, with all this discussion today and with each one of your therapy sessions, that you're always present and there meeting the child where they are and doing what they need. With any of these kids we work with, and we work with tons of different kids here at Pediatric Developmental Therapy and tons of kids with a variety of issues and parents and families and teachers and the list goes on and on, one of the things we always try to remember is... You know, No matter what I've accomplished in this life or any other therapist or any family member or anything, whatever they've accomplished, all of it pales in comparison to living your life daily with a disability. And so I think with all of these therapy sessions, we always have to meet the child right where they are, understand what it is they most need to target, and then target that. So, in this discussion today, you know, we started from the very beginning to the very end and how to build on stuff, but it always starts with what's the most important thing to target with that child and working there that's functional, that can help make the biggest difference in their life at that particular moment for them, to make them more successful in advance, and to help the family and educate the family in the process. And that's what this is all about. And we just talked about strategies and toys and ways to do that. So, as you take this and use it in therapy and in your practice and your therapy world, I think it's important for us to always to remember what the kids we work with and the families are dealing with daily. So if you want to check out the toys I've talked about today and more toys, you can check those out at our website at pediatricdt.com. You can also hear other podcasts where we've talked about toys and interventions and strategies and ways to use toys in therapy and other therapy ideas at theworkingtherapist.com. We've got a whole library of podcasts there. So check us out there. Thanks so much for your time today. I've had a great time. And thanks for listening. And I'll catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist thanks for joining us for today's edition of the working therapist an extension of the pediatric developmental therapy network if you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com that's pediatricdt.com